Welcome to Elemental Talks, the podcast that connects marketing, design, and development experts to help you build better websites. Rob Hope is a South African-born web designer and developer who runs OnePage Love, a leading showcase of one-page websites, templates, and resources. Rob launched OnePage Love in March 2008. After a decade of freelancing, he finally took the leap to work on his side projects full-time. In our podcast, Rob explains why landing pages are sometimes better than websites, demonstrates the impact that IntroCopy has on your landing page, and guides us on how to get real and valuable testimonials. Welcome to another episode of Elementary Talks, and my guest today is Rob Hope from OnePageLove. Hi, Rob. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? Great. Uh, It's been uh, great meeting you in WordCamp, and uh, we had... A brief talk, a spontaneous talk that prolonged for, uh, I think, half an hour before your lecture. So it's great yeah. to, to recap. It was great for me going to uh, Germany. You know, like so many people like yourself, I'd been chatting to online for, you know, pretty much years. And I got to, you know, have a handshake, see, you know, speak eye to eye about, you know, progress, business, trends. It's just so stimulating for me actually making that mission. I want to talk to you about your experience in WordCamp, but first tell our listeners a bit about you and your history, how you got to develop One Page Love. Cool. So basically, I'm from Cape Town, South Africa. Um, you know, started off, you know, studying just to do with computers. wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and you know, I started with Yahoo GeoCities back in the day, just dabbling, you know, dragging in little elements, and you know, I got addicted to building websites. So. Next thing you know, I'm building a website for the surf school down the road. And then that, you know, that went good. And then they were like, hey, i got a friend who needs a website. Next thing you know, I'm building websites for pharmaceutical companies. And, you know, it's mainly using WordPress. Uh, you know, WordPress allowed us to, you know, the turnaround time on a very good website was, was way faster than any other platforms. So I really invested there. And, uh, yeah, it was about six, seven years, um, you know, creating websites for clients. But, you know, I'm a builder at heart. I came to realize that, you know, during that journey of, you know, building the client sites, you know, I was always dabbling on the side, you know, I would, a client would hand me, for example, a word document filled with capital text. And they were like, yo, integrate this into my website. So, <laughs> so I would search, you know, case converter online, and then I would see all these solutions and I would always think I can do this better. So then I would build it. And, you know, I was just building that side project. Then I became a bit bored of that. So then I would sell it and then I would dabble, dabble, dabble. And one huge problem I was noticing with clients is that, you know, they would send me a half a page Word document of content and ask for a six, seven page website, you know, like one paragraph of text on the contact page. And I kept thinking, surely we can do this all within a simpler solution, which was, you know, the one page website. And, you know, I couldn't find enough references. So again, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a resource where I'm going to collect references to beautifully designed single page website solutions. And then I'm going to take this to my own clients and show them that we can, <laughs> this, know, is how it's we done. can this is how it's done. And, and it is successful. It has been done. So what started off with the WordPress site in 2008, uh, you know, 7,000 one page websites later that I've been collecting and curating. Uh, you know, I eventually monetized that website uh, to be a little bit higher than my Cape Town expenses. And then at, at that point, you say, you know what? I don't have to have clients anymore. I want to work on this full time. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm working on one page love full time. 
Well, we hear this story a lot about the progression from people who are enthusiastic like yourself in building products and uh, entrepreneurship. We see, we heard it from, you know, the CEO of Help Scout and Said Balkhi, and they all start building websites for clients because th- this gives them the, you know, the connection and, and you, you know, user uh, knowledge. Uh, and then they progress to, to bigger projects. I mean, how was client work uh, educational for you? Oh, it was very educational. You know, it was interesting because, you know, during those digital agency days, we never advertised at all. Um, we just cared about the clients, um, treated them as human beings. You know, even at the level when a client was asking us for a simple website, we would almost challenge them and go like, hey, I'm not so sure about that idea. Maybe we should try this. And they really appreciated our insights. And, you know, word of mouth spread that we took uh, care of them. It was So that was, it was training me, I guess, to deal with people, to deal with problems. You know, every single thing I learned um, in those agency days, um, I use today. It's also really interesting that when you learn about cash flow, working for myself now and not having a salary every month, it can be hectic, you know. And so, so that with a WordPress website, you know, a client could phone you, you know, on a Monday morning and just go, hey, I need a website. And they give you a 50% deposit that afternoon. That was amazing. And, you know, just that transition into... Uh, doing your own thing, it's been difficult, but you learn about cash flow. That whole uh, journey, I wouldn't change a thing. It taught me so much. And what's the role to, first of all, how many people visit uh, One Page Love every month? So it's it's interesting because, you know, when it, a lot of our traffic's organic uh, with Google, Google, about 72% now is organic traffic. And in its peak, it was about 12,000 a day that, that went to One Page Love. But, you know, Google changes the algorithm. You know, one pages are still trendy, but then, you know, maybe one month landing pages, you know, get a bit more tra- traction. But right now it's about, it, it fluctuates. Um, you know, on weekdays, we're looking at about 8,000 people a day. And weekends, it goes right down to about 4,000. You know, people aren't really searching for as much inspiration and references during the week than they are the weekends. What's the role of inspiration, would you say, in in, uh, in the work of, of someone building websites? And how do you make sure your site delivers, you know, the right inspiration? That, that's such a great question. Um, so, you know, you can seek all the inspiration in the world and it can maybe not get you to actually deliver that. You know, you need motivation and why, you need to understand why you are doing this for the clients. And I often feel that inspiration is where people start. And yes, they get great references, but you have to be motivated to do it. I'm just aiding that journey, like one small element. But what's great about the uh, One Page Love uh, website is that it's got perfect references within niches. So if you need a nonprofit landing page for your clients, you know, I've been collecting that for, for 10 years and I have enough references to at least get something. You know, you really liked how there was a donation counter on that page. So yeah. just going a bit deeper on the inspiration is that when One Page Lab started in 2008, I was collecting links, you know, links to sites. And then those sites would redesign or they would be offline. And then those links had no value in them. So that's the overlay, overlying word here is value. So once I started to identify on how much value I could add to every single listing, and just keep trying to improve that, that's when one page level really grew. So I'll give you another example is that you need to ask yourself, you know, you want to design a landing page for your, for your iPhone app that you're about to launch. So you search, you know, iPhone app, one page websites, I rank, but what exactly would that person want to see on the one page love website? 
And do they just want to see links? Do they want to see screenshots? And you know, in 2009, 2010, I had baby screenshots of every single website listing. Then I started to understand that, you know, you couldn't really see them that clearly in the archives. So I made them slightly bigger. You know, this is just a, just another step in adding value. So then I thought, you know what, people are actually searching for terms. And I could see in the search results in, in WordPress, you know, people are actually searching for screenshots, device mockups. So I started adding those tags to help, you know, sort the listing. So you could search on one page love. Maybe I want to actually device mock-up references within landing pages, and then there all the results came. And then over time, I, I said, how can I add more value and more value? And then I started adding long scrolling screenshots. And then I started adding retina-optimized long scrolling screenshots. It takes a lot more time per review, but the value per review is way more. And then what we actually started to realize over time, sorry, I say we, I mean myself, is that, <laughs> is that the royal we actually, the royal we is that actually this review that I was having it actually started to preserve website designs. So, so you actually didn't really need to leave the one page love website to get that inspiration reference, yeah. you know, to actually take a screenshot of this contact form or this really good testimonial. It's all there. So still to this day, I ask, how can we add more value to this inspiration reference? And right now it's leading to like, the interactions, the the animations, you know, I, I I haven't preserved these. You know, I've only got a static screenshot. Oh yeah. You know, do I do I download the full website? It's the next step for me, and it's my biggest challenge. Gifts yeah. or videos, native videos. Gifts or videos. Um, you know, the Wayback Machine, which is archive.org. Yeah. You know, they've been downloading versions of websites forever, and I feel like I might need to go that way. I might need to preserve real. Uh, versions of the websites where you can actually interact and see, but it comes with all sorts of problems, you know, expired email addresses and hosting, visible yeah. and hosting and where all these scripts loading from. But yeah, it's my challenge. Yeah, I think the role of curation uh, plays a huge part today because of the information overload. People need professionals to kind of show them because really when it comes down to it, every website or landing page for every niche has a specific, uh, you know, uh, UX and, and uh, you know, if you're designing a, a website for a clinic as opposed to an ebook, it's going to have different elements that are repeating per niche. Absolutely. In terms of audience, uh, because this was your first WordCamp? Yes, it was my first uh, WordCamp Europe. I had attended two small WordCamps in Cape Town. So how would you... I would say categorize the difference between the WordPress audience and maybe your site's audience or designers in general? That's an interesting question. So, you know, the WordCamp, you know, I was speaking to a lot of people at the Word, WordPress event that weren't, you know, actively involved in WordPress every day, but they were networking. You know, there's lots of business deals going down in WordCamp. There were lots of hires going on behind the scenes that I could see, but everyone there, you know, appreciates uh, stories from people that have spent time within their niches. You know, um, if you wanted to learn about accessibility, it was there. If you want to learn about design, there was, you know, it was there. There's workshops. You know, for me out of WordCamp, it's quite interesting. I want to hear business stories. I want to hear people that have, you know, broken through real low dips in their journeys and, you know, have had success. Um, and WordCamp offers that as well. You know, just the diverse amount of people that I met in Berlin from all over the world was crazy. I met people from WordCamp um, US that were like, no, we fly over to the Europe one because it's way yeah. better. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I attended your lecture. It was really good. And really, I want to dive deep into it because you talked about uh, a topic that is interesting for anyone building websites, which is how to create a landing page that really drives more conversions. So you really dissected it uh, into uh, parts. So let's start with the beginning, the, the, the intro copy. What are the guidelines there? Cool. Well, first, yeah, thanks for watching the talk. You always hope that someone's going to choose your track over the other tracks, uh, but the room was full. I was, I was really stoked. So uh, the intro copy is, you know, what it's, it's overlooked. It's really overlooked. You know, we, as a, let's just say we're as a marketer, as a business owner, you know, sometimes you do everything in your business and you're so involved in your day-to-day -day activities. You land up just giving the website that you think would would be what the user wants and it's not you need to switch your thinking and the intro copy always identifies with the user problem so i promise you 90 percent of the landing pages i review will start off and it'll say we are the next best solution that are in innovative and they use all these big buzzwords um, to sound important but there's someone who's sitting on their phone on the train who's actually looking you know for a solution to a problem they're having and they're a human being. They want things really simple and to the point. And as soon as that intro copy is just wordy, you'll lose them. You'll lose them completely. They're thinking, well, you know what? These people actually don't care about me. They haven't identified with my problem. They're just trying to target everyone else. So that intro copy, when you can identify with a, a real simple problem that someone's got and just offer a solution straight away, that's when you, they really start to engage and they'll actually begin to scroll. That's great. And uh, so... Really, what are the, the reasons, let's maybe take it even back a, a step, what are reasons to build a, a landing page? Yeah, that's, that's actually <laughs> such a good question. So, so just to step to the side quick with the talk is that, you know, we're talking about landing pages and this is so, so broad, but I could have said 50 things on the stage in Berlin, but I just chose to refine four, which I feel are really important and often overlooked. And with a landing page, it helps cut through the noise. You know, I want, with a lack of a word, a landing page, let's define the landing page quick. So a landing page is where you land up after marketing efforts. Okay. So you have a Facebook ad, you have an Instagram ad, and you know, through those targeting tools they offer on those platforms, you can really find that person. You can sift through the, you know, the world of people in social media, and you can now show them something and try and direct them to your landing page. Gone are the days where you would just advertise your homepage from all your marketing. You know, with, with you know, your product, you know, your product is a niche product, but imagine you offer five different things. You know, imagine you are an e-commerce store. You can't just send people to your homepage through your social media. So what the landing page does is it helps filter the massive audience out there. And in turn, what that does is that it actually increases conversions, your landing page, because it's targeting a certain user. And it's also respecting that people are different. You know, everyone's got different problems. Everyone's, um, you know, after something different. And if we can actually help filter that audience to different landing pages in our website, you know, 10, 20, whatever, you know, it really helps increase those sales. And what are the common mistakes that you usually see in, in the in the first part, I mean, uh, the first part of the landing page. So, you know, what's so overlooked, you know, again, just with that intro copy is that the landing page is being built from the 
uh, designer's point of view or developers or the owner's point of view. It's not really understanding that there's someone on the other end that's maybe emotional. You know, they're looking for a solution. They're frustrated. They're not identifying that. You know, there's often a very simple solution to what someone's looking for, but you'll go and put a, you know, a seven megabyte header image in the intro that someone's loading up on their mobile phone. And then all the text is super wordy and they have to scroll three times before there's actually a simple explanation of what we are trying to actually sell someone here. So yeah, it's about, it's not, I mean, let's go macro here. It's about not being a human being and identifying with the person on the other side and, and just relating to them and saying, Hey, like, I understand that you're frustrated and you know what I can help you. And, and here is the solution. Yeah. I think a lot of the times people don't, I mean, designers don't uh, spend time uh, because they need to come up with the finished product. They don't spend time like really thinking about the psychology and, and the experience of interacting with the with the client and and really talking about their issues and their main problem exactly that you know i had uh you know humility just from yeah it's always goes down to a human being level everything we do in line and design development everything it's just appreciate there's someone on the other side of the screen it's not trying to impress your design peers out there um you know often when you see website awards it's very impressive where technology is going with transitions and so on. But when it comes to a landing page, you know, when there's an overkill of parallax scrolling, um, when there's so many transitions that are happening that are increasing to load time that aren't loading properly on many small devices, you're just losing your way over here. Well, I like the, the, what you did in some of your uh, pages, which is just a short paragraph with links that are not, uh, that uh, you know pr too prominent and just clear language to tell them the story and uh, direct them to to the relevant content that's exactly it you know keep it keep it as simple as possible one of the things i love to say is that you need to try and convince people with as little as possible uh, not as not as much as possible you know people will you know like we said at the elemental elemental meetup in berlin is we were talking about design trends and I was saying I'm seeing this push for, you know, two testimonials in a, in a landing page, not 12. You know, I, I still see it. And that's often the first thing I comment at someone is like, you know, you've, you've got eight testimonials here that say the same thing. You know, it just says awesome, outstanding, but it's not highlighting any features. It's not answering any doubts. Uh, so it's a less is more approach Two testimonials. It's about having hey, these are the five best photos I've taken and I'm a photographer. And, you know, it's about getting to the point. So more about testimonials, like uh, what are the, I mean, you highlighted the facts that you need to make sure in the testimonial meaning, uh, again, that it uh, talks about an actual use, an actual person, but how would you go about uh, getting that testimonial? Yeah, that's so good. I wanted to add that to my WordCamp talk uh, because, you know, I had these perfect testimonials by, you know, real people. And, and I know people in the audience were thinking, well, geez, that that's all very well. You know, do I create fake ones? I mean, the, the easiest way to get a testimonial is you, you need to offer your product to free uh, to opinion leader and also, you know, guide them in the testimonial and don't say, Hey, can you please write me a testimonial? Just say, Hey, here's my product. Please don't send me a good testimonial if you don't believe this product is good. You know, start there 
and then go, what I'm looking for in this testimonial is just if you could speak about, you know, your favorite feature in our product or service, or say, um, was there anything to do with time saving that you appreciated? Because that's what I'm, we want, we want to talk about time saving. If there's not, then don't mention it, but if there is, so it's about guiding that person. You really need to aim for opinion leaders within your niche. You know, there's, I mean, I always use the example like dog training. It's just the classic, you know, landing page you would create. So you're selling this course about dog training. And, you know, there's that famous guy. He's always on TV. Um, I forget his name, but you would, you know, you would go straight there and try and get a testimonial from him. And if you can't get him, try and get someone else. You'd search, you know, dog training on Twitter and then find some people with a lot of followers. And then those are recognized within your niche, within your community. And then you need to have a really good photo of themselves, of them, their name, you know, how established are they? You know, this is an award-winning dog trainer and he, appre and, and he thought that this was a very concise, well-packed 30-minute course. You know what I mean? So it's, it's about, you know, approaching those opinion leaders. But again, you know, from the user's point of view, if he sees an anonymous avatar, you know, that gray head and it says outstanding service and that person's name is John Smith. It's, it's just a bad testimonial and a waste of space. It almost feels like a placeholder. So you need to ask yourself that user, you know, what kind of testimonial would they want to see? And if it's dog training, you know, maybe another dog owner, maybe a family of two, you know, that could be your target audience. And you would say like, you know, this is Jill and Scott. And they have been dog owners for, you know, four years or, or new dog owners, like something like that. You need to think about who, who are the audience that are trying to get dog training videos and you need to put yourselves in their head and, and then place those testimonials accordingly in the landing page. That keeps coming back, uh, in my opinion, to storytelling, because you constantly yes. have to put yourself in the shoes of a great storyteller. And that's the, the difference between a, a, a bland story, generic story to, to a story that is... Uh, well-crafted, I've seen some brands that even take it a step forward and, and in the features behind, below each feature, they have the relevant uh, testimonials. So if they have a time management, then they'll write, they'll insert a testimonial relevant to that. That's super smart. So another element that you mentioned is tackling other doubts. I mean, the, there's the user problem that we tackled in the intro copy, but uh, what about the rest of the doubts? Yeah, so you know, you you need to understand your target audience uh, for sure before you start placing these doubts. So you know, in the talk I mentioned, you know, credit card logos and so on. You know, for a, a super tech savvy product, you know, maybe that's not so important. You know, maybe you just have those really small in the beginning. But if you're selling, let's freestyle here. You know, maybe it's a a course you're selling online and it's to do with dealing with divorce or something in your fifties or sixties. You know, this is an older user, you know, they're not super tech savvy. They want to know that they can trust you. They want to know that they're not going to be scammed. They want to see testimonials, uh, you know, from other users like themselves. So the other doubts someone would have, you just need to break down who's my user and then start placing accordingly. So a, a doubt I would say that's huge um, is, can I trust you? You know, is this being used? Is, are people actually buying this course? Are people actually buying this product? You know, is this a scam? You know, just quickly answer those. And that's with your testimonials, even design. You know, I was doing a landing page review yesterday and a guy was selling a course about, it was called option trading. It was a real niche trading. And there was his landing page. And in the middle, he had um, one of those template box 
uh, box sets, you know, and it, and it had these DVDs, you know, like the actual discs next to the, the 30 degree angle box. It was yeah. very beautiful. But I'm thinking, wow, who, who's going to listen to the CDs of this? So immediately I just said, wow, I would jump ship if I was trying to buy a course and this guy had a box of DVDs. And so you need to understand who's your user. And then again, it's um, one of the points on checkout was you need to install Adobe Flash to watch the course. And that was another just red flag for me, red flags. You say, what do we need to put in this page to build trust, seem established, uh, seem that there's actually sales absolutely every day. And then let's go more macro. Am I actually going to have my problems uh, solved with this? So that's again, the testimonials. Just prove to your landing page user that uh, your solution is actually being used by others and it's actually solving their problems. Well, the fourth element that you mentioned is kind of, I would say that there is debate around it. And I'm talking about uh, creating haste. And the debate mm. is usually like, okay, I'm going to say that uh, uh, the sale ends uh, in two days, but actually the truth is it's, it's not. So how can you tackle this, this, uh, this problem? Yeah, so it's really interesting. It's, it's, it can be a bit of a dark pattern, like they talk about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm always about keeping things authentic. And, you know, if you are talking about running out of stock and you've actually got that stock, you know, maybe that's, you know, you shouldn't go that route. But at that certain price at that stock, you know, I can, I can respect that. So like in their talk, I talk about you selling a, a bottle of gin and maybe it's, you know, 20 euros a bottle and there's three left. And as soon as it hits that three left, it goes to, you know, $22 a bottle, 25. I feel that's a, a bit more authentic. Uh, give those people actually a discount. But, you know, creating haste, you know, people, when they are scrolling through the landing page, you know, the biggest doubt, um, you know, for marketers is, is the user going, hey, can I just walk down the road and get this cheaper? Can I get this cheaper on Amazon? Um, so it's also about the value add. You know, you got to think about something you can add to this purchase as well. So if you are selling a course to do with dog training, let's go there again. Um, you say, hey, you know, if you order this in the next 12 hours, you get this free PDF and it, it you know, costs you nothing, but the PDF is worth $10. Maybe you sell that separately for $10. And then that has a countdown timer. And that creates the haste. You know, you don't want to lose out on that extra value. So start there when it comes to haste. Um, start just trying to add value with a bit of your products that you have lying around. But yeah, you can have a proper, you know, countdown timer with a real discount. Let's talk about Black Friday. You know, that's the biggest haste we have in a year. And, you know, people like 80% off. And those are legitimate, legitimate deals. And people climb in. So it's about, it, it's about that thinking. Just water down a bit. I agree. It's about planning also, because if you know yes. you're going to have, you know, six months ahead, you're, you can plan ahead. What are the discounts, discounts and additions that you're, you're going to have in, in a, you know, in a spreadsheet and then you can actually follow a plan and not, you know, jump from one sales to sale offer to another. Exactly. What's the role of, of, uh, the, because if you think about landing pages, that's often connected to the concept of marketers and, you know, those uh, sales pages with big uh, buttons, big uh, box buttons. What's the role of design? How can design fit in, in, in all this, this idea of landing page? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because let's go back to that, um, 
you know, that course we said about, you know, dealing with, you know, the struggle of divorce and so on, you know, I would say design is less important in those cases. You know, there's, I've seen them, I've seen the landing pages, you know, with tons of text, terrible images, but they actually are, they do have good testimonials. They do have good reviews. I definitely think, you know, 99% of them are way too long. They're just repeating the same thing the whole time. If anything, you really need that sticky header bar that stays there with that buy button at the top, you know, as people are scrolling, just have it there visible at all time. You don't have to re repeat that pricing table 12 times, like I've seen in the real dirty ones. But <laughs> when it comes to selling an icon pack or maybe a WordPress theme, you know, design can cut through a lot of that noise out there. You know, let's think of the, uh, the WordPress theme directory. You know, there are some terribly designed uh, WordPress themes on the theme directly, directly. So if you present your WordPress theme in a beautiful landing page, you know, with great looking testimonials and gradients and some drop shadows and so on, it is important. I would say for our community, design is definitely something you should invest in. Uh, don't overlook it. Also for me, you know, maybe because I've been involved in design a long time, you know, when I see design inconsistencies, I, I immediately assume that the product might be similar. Um, there might be inconsistencies in the build. You know, great design shows me that you care about your product. Um, and then you, and you're probably going to deliver a real special product. And I'm, I'm willing to spend money on that. I agree. I think consistency is the most important thing when you're building a business. It's like, uh, you're building a relationship with the client. And even though landing pages can be seen a bit like, a one night stand, there is a relationship that you want to foster if you want to develop. Um, I mean, and it's not, I mean, I don't think most businesses can start off, you know, with the perfect uh, uh, design consistency on all across all channels. But I think that if you know about it, then it's definitely something you can improve over time. Yeah, the most impressive thing I see is, is when someone has some sort of brand guideline, and then they launch new products and you know that's that spacing is consistent those ratios the the drop shadows the colors let's use elementor's example you know all your marketing looks like it's come out the same place you know what we're, i mean it's, we're it's consistent it. we're, we're <laughs> definitely it's in our minds and we're working to constantly think about how to improve it we're definitely do it now that we're a bigger team we're definitely doing better than uh, we did when we started and i think that's the real epiphany when you understand that it's a process and it's something that as a you know a thought leader in, in the in the world of design it's something that you need to keep improving and keep thinking about yeah. I, th I think you know like looking at you've got recurring income on you know on, on the accounts and for me as someone renewing a package when I have reminders each month by a brand showing progress, you know, I'm interviewing, you know, thought um, leaders around the world. And then you also look at that progress of design. Elementor, when it started, you know, to 2 million installs, and then you guys have that massive celebration video that was so fun. You know, I'm thinking, I want to support this because I know it's even going to get better and better and better. And this plugin's going to get better if I keep trying to fund it with my renewals. And you know what I mean? It's a change in thinking. And a few brands are getting this right. A few brands aren't. I definitely agree. I think uh, it's kind of the same, I think, for product development and for uh, content development, because I think yes. for brands like yourself, it's so also super important, the person in, in, in the front. And I, I follow, uh, you know, channels like the future and, uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're doing 
uh, amazing work in, in that field in kind of staying connected with, uh, our, uh, with their audience. And I think that's definitely something we're thinking about. Is that that's something you're, you're, you're working on, like the connection and, and I would say uh, interaction with uh, your user base? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's interesting if you want to just break it down on, on creating content uh, versus making a product, you know, with one page love, you know, I'm just adding content every day. For me, I need to, again, just like the landing page, and this is more a product question, is that I always think on the, on the user's point of view, you know, when they arrive at my site, you know, they don't want to be pitched to sign up to their newsletter immediately and all these pop-ups and so on, because that's not what I'd want. You know, I'm trying to get inspiration. So how can I give them inspiration as fast as possible? So I invested quite a lot of money in a, in a world-class CDN that loads those images like lightning. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm paying for proper WordPress hosting. You know, everything's cached. Uh, you know, if you do a speed test on my sites, I think it's in the 90s. It's how I'd want it. And I feel like my focus um, in adding value to the site as much as I can, actually not, you know, bombarding the, the person with marketing. You'll see on the site, there's no advertising on One Page Love at all. You know, I just talk about One Page related products. I write reviews about them. Um, I have one little promo book that just promotes the podcast we do. And I think by doing that, the people really respect it. And they keep coming back because they know that every time they return, there's going to be fresh content. Um, and they know they're not going to be bombarded with sales. And they know it's going to work fast. They're going to get quality things. So I feel that, you know, when you focus on what your user would really appreciate, uh, that's a marketing strategy on its own. I love that. Like addressing your audience like they're smart people and they're people like yep. you that are smart and, and uh, quality people and not think of them as like, okay, we, we just need to find a way to, to monetize. Yeah, get another sale from this, this extra user that I don't yes. know. Squeeze a sale. That, that's great. And what are you working on now? Tell us about uh, the future of One Page Love. Okay. So I am basically working on a sister site for One Page Love called Email Love. And, you know, I, I've had this on the back burner for a long time and, you know, there's pros and cons to, you know, do I go all in on my main project and just work on it until it's the best I can, or do I create side projects, stay motivated? You know, I'm a solo maker and, you know, I love working on one page love, but also I get restless. I create side projects. Like I have a, a Mac menu bar app called audio notes. And, you know, I created this. Uh, menu bar app because it takes one second. I got a keyboard scroll uh, shortcut and I just click it and I start speaking immediately. And as soon as I hit stop on that keyboard shortcut, it already copies the link to that audio note to your clipboard. And I paste it in emails for website feedback to users. Cause I was writing two, three, four paragraphs when I'm giving landing page feedback. Now I simply open a link, start speaking and now I paste in the link. And it's, it's such a fast turnaround for me. So anyway, what's that program? That, that, that's something I, I... It's called Audio Notes, and it's actually using a Spanish domain. So it's audionot.es. Mm. And I haven't actually told anyone this, but Audio Notes is the, the version two that I'm currently building. It's almost finished, is going to become an email love product. I'm actually changing the narrative of Audio Notes to rather replace that second, third paragraph with an Audio Notes and an email. So it's, I, I'm changing the whole direction of that. But it's also to help, you know, give a bit of emphasis on what's important in your email. You know, often it gets lost in translation when you're writing a lot of text. But if I send a, a, an audio note to the team and going, 
yo, I really didn't uh, like how that was happening. I really want more emphasis in color, make it burst in that marketing campaign. You know, through voice, it really helps bring up the emotions and, and shows oh, emphasis. Yeah. Anyway, so, so email love for me is exactly the same model as one page love. It's going to have email design inspiration. It's going to have free email templates that you can use for your own email campaigns. And then I'm going to tackle a few email problems. You know, the email industry is so much bigger than the one page niche. Oh yeah. So I'm starting really small, just with design inspiration, a couple of really beautiful templates for free. And then I'm going to tackle topics like, you know, 20 ways to avoid hitting the, uh, you know, the spam folder and, you know, actionable advice. But it's really, it's really interesting how there are many roads to go down in email and I need to focus on a few, just get it out the door, replicate what I've learned with one page love. How can I add as much value as I can to an email review? So let's use the Patagonia brand, for example. You know, I've got a Patagonia email campaign, their marketing email campaign. I've got it there, you know, I'll have a retina screenshot. You know, maybe I can have a button that can switch between mobile view and desktop view. You know, do you want to see the code of the email? Maybe you do, so I should add that. I'm going to add tags. Maybe you want more emails similar to outdoor brands and then show more of that. So anyway, that's where I'm at right now. I'm in the building phase. We're looking at an August launch. I say we, um, I've outsourced a few, a few little uh, difficult coding uh, bits, but yeah, it's looking like August, a very light launch and the whole thing. And this is my biggest advice to anyone making anything is that you're absolutely not going to launch with how you want your end product to be. You know, I want uh, email love to be a leading resource. Um, of thousands of emails for reference, but I'm going to launch with, you know, 30 uh, and I'm going to add every single day for the next few years. And eventually it's going to turn into something great. Incremental for the win. That's great. That's inspiring. Uh, how can people connect with you and follow, uh, follow you and, uh, and one page love? Cool. So on Twitter, I'm at Rob hope and you know, robhope.com links to absolutely everything I'm building. Um, what I'm actually doing right now is I'm creating some YouTube videos behind the scenes on the lessons uh, while building email love and one page love. So it's youtube.com forward slash Rob Hope. I'm overdue a few videos there. But uh, once email love gets out, I'm going to talk about, you know, how I designed the logo, uh, why I chose this, these colors, um, you know, exactly how I outsourced, why I feel like these features are important, what features I thought would be on the site that I've completely burned. I'm really trying to get behind the scenes. Oh, that's great. And help other makers. You know, for me, you know, sitting, you know, alone in the office in Cape Town, you know, I really get a lot of value from people sharing stories like this. Other makers writing on indie hackers, Twitter threads, you know, 20 things I learned, you know, starting Dribble, you know, those kind of things. So I just want to give back as much as I can. That's amazing, Rob. And it's been so fun. It's been as fun talking to you now as I grabbed you before uh, your lecture in WordCamp. So hopefully we'll have you uh, back again. Um, yeah, and so thanks uh, for uh, doing the interview. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. And yeah, thanks for reaching out in uh, Berlin. It was, it was really good to meet you and your team. Like your guys' energy is quite infectious. Um, <laughs> it was cool hanging around you guys. Definitely. Okay. Okay, cheers, Ben. Bye.